Look, your books are safe. But that's what I like about them. Ah, have you ever been Captain Nemo? Trapped inside your submarine, all the giant squid is attacking you. That's what I'm talking about. The ones you read are safe. I've been doing a lot of reading recently. First of all, welcome back. This is the Dallas Podcast Group. I am the elder. He is Jose the dad. Thanks for joining us. I've been doing a lot of reading recently, and it's just a number of things. And ironically, you're here because you're probably the best person that I can like, talk about it with, the subject anyway. The scholars over at Reddit. <laughs> uh, we're in a really deep discussion about storytelling in various forms of media being uh, literature, TV, and movies. So it raises the question as, as far as the subject of uh, storytelling. What makes a good story? I guess in, in the sense of what projects a story in the direction that captivates uh, the reader, the listener, the viewer, like what is personal opinion on like what makes a good story? Like what captivates you as the individual? It caught my attention in, in reading that because it's true. Everybody has their own sense of, of what is a good story, what makes a good story. Some people like we've discussed before with with the Disney Plus series Moon Knight. There are some people that will argue that it's a really good series in comparison to uh, Miss Marvel. Where on the flip side, my personal opinion, I couldn't get into Moon Knight at Me all. Yeah. My my attention was just not in that story. But with Miss Marvel, with the progression of the story and with, I guess, the way that it was presented to us, it did get my attention within that first episode, which kept me involved as the consumer as the viewer and then you know sticking around with the remainder of the series but it's like what was the big difference in that like why is it that i mean it's marvel what was the deciding factor and what kept my attention from this series and then the opposite the latter i always tell people i'm probably one of the worst people to actually discuss good versus bad stories because i'm very easily entertained so for me it doesn't take much to catch my interest and then like get sucked into something and for me if i enjoy something i typically be like oh yeah that was good but then a lot of then i hear a lot of people like oh i, I didn't like that i hated that but for the most part if it's entertaining, if it captures you, then it's good to you. Very rarely something that is objectively good or bad, because good or bad is a matter of opinion. And it depends where you're looking at it from. If you're just looking at it from like a, a regular average Joe perspective, like, oh, yeah, that was good. But then the same story looked at through the perspective of someone who's maybe, you know, college educated or has a degree in English or a master's in whatever gives them a higher sense of... Uh, critique ability or whatever you want to call it they may look at the same story that someone thought was really good and be like yeah that wasn't very good yeah you would like that but i mean if, if you know if you've read the classics or if you if you knew what i knew then you would know that that's actually not a good story why because they didn't go to school for four years to study very obscure stories from the past like don't get me wrong i appreciate classics and we learn from the past and i mean i want to be a history teacher so i don't disregard history but to basically shit on someone's opinion you are more your tastes are more refined i feel like that doesn't mean that it's a bad story it just means that you particularly didn't like it i don't think there's such thing as good or bad stories i think there's just whatever you personally like i don't think it's cliche at all i think it's a, a very valid uh, like a justification of like how to understand that or how to you know understand concepts like that like for me in like its most simplified form I'm sure there would be a large majority of people that would argue that a show like Reservation Dogs 
isn't as interesting or captivating as House of Dragons, which for me is the perfect example because I've been very invested in Reservation Dogs for the entirety of its running throughout, show. throughout its first and second season. Amazing show. And to me, the, the story is very grounded in real life and trauma and struggle and, you know, enduring and overcoming just various adversities of, of actual like realistic situations. Yeah. Uh, based in like a realistic setting. Whereas House of Dragons, no shade at all. Within the uh, franchise of Game of Thrones um, and within George R.R. R. Martin's, you know, collective works, his universe that he's created, it's great, but it hasn't kept my attention past like the third episode. And it's no slight on the show. It's just I've been in and out of it within like the first three episodes. That's fair. And I, I've seen both as well. I've been keeping up with both since they've both released. And I like that you chose these two shows because they're very different. But it does kind of highlight, like, obviously, uh, what do you call it? Uh, House of the Dragons is getting a lot more attention because it's following Game of Thrones, which was an international success that was kind of unprecedented. And a lot of people, like myself, were probably kind of like, yeah, after that last season, I don't know if I'm ready to get back into Westeros. I'm a little skeptical about this. But then you like... Like, I wasn't like, oh, I have to watch a premiere night. I think I watch it, like, the next day. But then after I watched it, I was like, oh, man, it's actually pretty good. All right, you know? Uh, like, it was enough to draw me back into that universe. And I have been invested past episode three. Like, it has kept my attention. But if we're talking storytelling, like, the techniques used, the the actual presentation of a story, I would probably argue that Reservation Dogs is a better storytelling series because the way they tell the stories and the way they present it, I feel, is better and deeper than House of the Dragons. House of the Dragons is, in my opinion, kind of strictly entertainment. There's not a whole lot going on there. You can find things if you look for it, but you have to really dig and like look for it. Whereas Reservation Dogs, it tells you straight up, hey, this episode we're addressing dealing with loss. Mm -hmm. This episode we're addressing finding yourself. This episode we're addressing how to deal with broken friendships. So like you don't have to look for it. It, it hits you in the face and it's not like here's the message. It's like it just shows you the message, but it's so, done in such a brilliant way that there's no really like debate. You just get it. I guess within Reservation Dogs, again, as an example, it's led like a very linear story path. Yeah. Uh, the way that it's been laid out. But it's a really cohesive story in the sense that, you know, our main subject revolves around, you know, these kids that are going through their the motions of their everyday life within this reservation. On top of that, there is the subject of the loss of their friend and in dealing with a trauma like someone taking their own life. And then how do you overcome that? And it, it's like it has a, like a very somber tone, but it's also very bittersweet in the sense that there are these splashes of of comedic relief in between like these really serious topics that are brought up. Honestly, it's it's like a very serious show. Yeah, I will say if you've had um, any time within the community that they're kind of representing, there's a lot of inside jokes too that you probably wouldn't get unless you've been a part of that culture. So my wife being native, me having lived on uh, the reservation up there for six, seven years, there's a lot of little things that we laugh at that like if Daddy Dungeon Master sees, he doesn't get it because he, he doesn't know like some of their superstitions or yeah. like some of the stuff like you'll notice in the show, the owl's eyes are always yeah, blurred out. That was what I wanted to say. And and it's because owls are like a bad omen. Like yeah. you, you, don't, you don't fuck with owls at all. 
even though it's like done in a comedic way, they're they're blurring the owls just in case someone who's native watching, if their belief goes that far, they're not like, hey, here's this owl that you you don't want to see, you know. And the show does that very well. It like. Even if you haven't been exposed to the culture or get a lot of those inside jokes, it's still a very enjoyable show. And shout out to the boy. I'm sorry, I butcher his name all the time, even though I hear it all the time. Taika Waititi? The homeboy did his research and like... He did great. He, he does a very good job of respecting the culture and portraying it without like butchering it or giving some kind of stereotype. Well, Flowers to Sterling Harjo. Amazing as as being one of the, the showrunners for that too, aside from Taika Waititi. Yeah. They do a great job because the thing, too, is you never know what kind of storytelling you're going to get. You get great storytelling, but the episode may be one that's a scattered episode following a bunch of different plot lines. Or you could get a very self-contained episode where the entire thing focuses on one person. You can get the whole episode in one location. You can get the whole episode spread out. Like You have very good ways of telling the story, and it keeps the show fresh by kind of keeping you on your toes. And you never know what you're going to get. I think it's a really fun way of watching a show. The formula itself that they've that they've uh, come up with to just keep the show going whatever formula that they're following obviously it's, it's kind of said if you watch the show you you understand the narrative and the the way that the story is propelled you know it's yeah. it's very like a, a cohesive story that in itself is probably my my biggest example currently of entertaining storytelling i would say moving away from house of dragons and more towards a normal like weekly watch has been what we do in the shadows haven't seen that one uh, very really funny he awakens. Very cool, Master. Thank you. Don't sing if you watch a little long. They have no use for your song. You're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead and out of this there is a story that is set and that revolves around, you know, the main characters. And in the more recent episodes, in the more recent uh, season, the most current season anyway, there is a, a character by the name of Colin Robinson that at the end of their prior season and uh, in essence is reborn and they kind of have to start all over again with the character and you don't really know where it's going. And they build up his story. The progression of his story is really interesting because it's comedic. But it's also, it keeps you on your toes wondering because then they drop just a little tidbits about this character, Colin Robinson, and how they have to regress to then kind of build him up again for the viewers. Because he, he isn't like the character that jumps out at you right away. And it's like, oh, this guy is probably like the funniest dude in the show. You have to warm up to him. But then they make him like a main subject of the show currently in their story. Wow, that is the baby Colin Robinson, I assume. At the beginning of season four, Colin is about three years old, then progresses throughout the season. Who is this young ruffian? You remember baby Colin? Well, he's had a growth spurt. And there's other little side stories going on, especially with one of the secondary characters who then becomes a main character. His name's Guillermo. He's a, he's a, basically, he's like their butler. Okay. But um, he's their familiar anyway. Guillermo has a bunch of these like little things about him. He's he's a closeted gay guy. He comes from a, a Latin background, so obviously there's a struggle of of his sexuality within his uh, culture. Um, very toxic masculine. He, he has this. Porch, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which comes up. He has this closeted 
desire to be a vampire, but kind of, it shows through throughout the series, but it's like... Okay, yeah, I think it rings a bell. I think I've seen the trailer. Like, now. he wants to be a vampire, you know, just so badly. And where do you find this show? On Hulu. It's on Hulu, Hulu as well. It's an FX series, but it's on Hulu. He wants to be a vampire as well, and it's like, it's kind of the running joke throughout the show. Like, maybe Master will turn me into a vampire today. <laughs> it's just, it doesn't happen. Um, or so you think. Currently, it's on a cliffhanger, but... And then also, there's tie-ins with Van Helsing and, and vampire hunting. But I think currently, the season has come to its finale because I haven't seen a new episode pop up yet. So I'm guessing it it's a season finale. It builds up just so much momentum to give you almost like a soprano stop. Okay. A cliffhanger. Because it leaves you on such a like, no, I need to know like what's going to happen and... It just they haven't they didn't give it to you yet, but they leave you on like a uh, on just a note of like I need to know more. Like yeah. I need to know how this keeps going. I will say I think that shows, movies, books, etc. I do think tears exist, but it's not the same for everybody. But you do have a very which you might call low brow humor, very low tier, maybe uh, like slapstick comedy. There's not a whole lot going on there. The shows like Family Guy, oh yeah, South Park, which are some of my favorite shows. So, you know, as not much of a snobby type of guy to for what I like to watch, like I know there's not a lot going on there. But then you can also argue there's a lot of parody and reflections of society in those shows if you really want to try and find a deep meaning in it. Like all of the characters make fun of something and are kind of designed to expose some of the worst parts of society and kind of put a comedic spin on it, you know. But there's like what you might call lowbrow humor or lowbrow entertainment. Um, you know, sitcoms that last a season and then get canceled. And then you have like these like more critically acclaimed type shows that might, you know, they take longer to get into. There's a lot more going on and you really have to like, it's almost like a chore or an effort to get into it at first. But once you're into it, there's a lot of, you know, reward for that time. So I do think there are tiers, but there's no one authority to say this is in this tier and this is in that tier. I don't think it matters. I think they exist, but I don't think it really matters because people are going to enjoy what they're going to enjoy regardless. I guess to kind of take it back around, like in the sense of like music, as far as like uh, storytelling. Yeah. Look at the song Pumped Up Kicks by Foster the People. Yeah. That fucking song. It's, it's very, I would say, department store music. You don't really notice it. It's kind of just in the background. You're, hey, fucking Tide is on sale today. <laughs> And then you find out this song's about like a school shooting. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Holy shit. I liked that song when it came out and I would like dude, jam I to liked it. it. As grim as it sounds, but when I found out the meaning of that song, I liked it a hundred times more. <laughs> Because I was like, yo, this is fucking serious, like, yeah. subject matter, dude. No, I, I might, me too, because, like, I liked it. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll keep it with the pumped up kicks. And then you find out, like, what he's actually saying. And then you're like, holy crap, you know, like, you think you know a song and you're, like, singing. But then it's kind of crazy to me how you can know the words to a song. You can sing along to a song. But you don't even know what the hell they're saying until you actually stop and, like, pause for a moment. Because, yeah, I had no idea what that song was about. I was just kind of like, oh, it's a fun little random song, you know. And then you actually listen and you're like, holy shit. Kind of circle everything, tie everything together. Storytelling, you have it in various medias, various methods. You got movies, you got books, you got music, which you might not even think about music when you think about storytelling. But music tells a story a lot of times, even if it's not anything too crazy. But I think we talked about this last time in our last episode with everybody. Like, just like what you like. Yeah, who cares what people tell you about it? Two quick examples of, like, really good, for me anyway, what I thought was fucking, like, amazing storytelling within uh, music. Merciful Fate 
and King Diamond are led by King Diamond. He started with Merciful Fate and then just moved into King Diamond, but his storytelling for both bands brawls along this huge, like each album is this like story. Yeah. Um, and I think within King Diamond, he has like albums that tie into each other. They're fucking amazing stories. Like when I got into King Diamond, I was like, wow, this is a really good album. And then I'm reading about the album. I'm reading the lyrics of the songs. And I'm like, this is a fucking horror story. <laughs> and I'm just going back and like reading the, the lyrics to other albums and then listening to the albums and how they're put together. But he does a really good job of doing that. As well, uh, there is a metal band called the Monomarth. And they are a, a very like Norse Viking fucking band. Yeah. Very heavy, heavy band. But their storytelling is a lot of it is like Viking raids and fucking battles. It's an epic. Well, those that, that culture historically had their stories told orally and not written down. Like there's very little written history. So I think it's kind of a cool way to keep that ancient tradition alive. To present it. And I'm sure that's why they do it. I'm Because I, I'm almost certain that those guys are very... I think they, they're on the side of, like, representing that culture for as much as it's been diminished yeah. um, by, like, uh, religious influence, Catholics and Christians. But I think they want to keep that, the the emphasis on that culture yeah. alive. And again, like you said, it is it is a very oral history. So when they present it, especially, like, at shows, not so much like a wall of death or, like, a mosh pit, but they have motherfuckers sit on the ground and I would love to do this at a, to go to one of their shows, but they have motherfuckers sit down and they have these guys do a row. It's fucking wild, but the, it's that storytelling. It's it's always this epic story. It's always this subject of like you know we're fighting and you know we're gonna make it to Valhalla. It's, That's beautiful. It's crazy. Avenge Sevenfold, a little piece of heaven. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'll let you keep that one. I'll let you keep that one. Let's see. Let's see if you haven't heard it. Go go listen to that fun story and and see what you think. Let's. Uh... <laughs> Right before we, we started the episode, I was reading a recent, I guess, a top 50, top 25 list of, um, I guess, the top 25 or top 50 most popular anime. As far as like for storytelling to tie it in, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood was number one on the list. For me, that's like a huge like, oh, wow. Because I could honestly say even as much as like I am a one piece head and, and like I'm very invested in it as like a long form show. The same way that I was with like Dragon Ball Z or like Naruto, but Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and Full Metal Alchemist, the uh, the first adaptation was fucking phenomenal storytelling. The storytelling that's built up within those shows are fucking crazy, and I I don't disagree with that list. Uh, at One Piece was like number three, but hey, I'll take it. For brother, Full Metal was fucking. That was it. Really was like amazing. I I think I didn't disagree with that choice. I guess to wind down. What are you watching right now? That is a good story. Well, we already talked about uh, Reservation Dogs and uh, House of the Dragon. Rewatching Game of Thrones a little bit, kind of. Me and uh, Daddy Dungeon Master started from the beginning, but then our sister actually got into it. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. which which was surprising for us. Hey, that's neat. So, uh, so we're just kind of watching wherever she's at now. We'll tell her, okay, watch up to three eight, but don't watch three nine until you come over and so we could watch the red wedding together mm -hmm. oh okay okay or uh four two the purple wedding and so right now we're waiting for her to get up to uh the trial episode with the fantastic speech from Tyrion. okay 
So, you know, little, that's how we're kind of watching. So we got House of Dragon, Game of Thrones, Reservation Dogs, and actually Rick and Morty. So we haven't, we didn't watch this stuff. We were like three, four years behind because I told myself, I want to rewatch seasons one through three before I oh, start so four. Oh, so am I. So am I. But I finally just said, fuck it. I'm not going to catch up. So I just started it. And it's so we're watching six, that. Season six, right? Currently? It's on season six now. Right now, we just finished season four and we're starting season five. From what I've read, season six is fucking wild. I've heard. I've only heard nothing but good things. That's what made me keep watching. Uh, and so, and I actually fell off at like the second season. And that was just like, because I, I just fell off the show, uh, watching other things. Yeah. Is that what you're caught up on right now? Other than, uh, what you've listed so far? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I tried to watch some of, uh, we, we watch America's Got Talent every year and this year we just didn't. Hey, no storytelling in that one. No, no, no sto- actually, you know what? Well. Cause they have like the, the heartstring kind of stories that they give you. They do. Actually this, this year what we did since we were so behind, performance only. Fast forward through all the, the pre-story. Just performance? Just, just performance. And I'm like, it's kind of fun watching some of it that way. So we haven't really caught up, caught up, but that's like a very in the background thing. Like I can't think of anything else and I kind of have to work on this. So here's something to just play in the background type thing. Hello, what is your name? I'm Dimitri. I have a leprosy. <laughs> and then just proceeds to belt out fucking <laughs> something hella crazy. How about yourself? Um, what we do in the shadows has been great. Reservation Dogs has been great. I wish I could say House of Dragons, but I lost. I kind of just fell fell off. I have to watch it, obviously, because I I need to know pre like the time skip. Other than that, Lord of the Rings. The Rings of Power has been fucking killer, dude. Yeah, has I've heard killer. nothing but bad things, so I'm gonna I might check it out with your positive review. It's uh, it's it's this it's the Silmarillion. It is, but I will say that the the pacing is deceiving. The first like one or two episodes are deceiving, but it's I'm I'm really invested in it. I'm like super super into the show right now. All right, oh. I'm gonna check it out and we'll talk about that one next time. I am. You know where to find us. We have the social link. Shout out to Milkshake. Find us on Buzzsprout. We're on all the streaming platforms for your podcast carrying needs. Uh, I am the Elder. Jose the Dad. Thank you for joining us. Tune in uh, next time. See you later, kids.